What's going on, Seven Footers gang? It's your girl, Jenna, here, and the king himself, Gerard. <laughs> That's right, Gerard. I noticed that I've been doing like a lot of like um, similar intros, aka like mm. the past 12,000 seasons <laughs> I've had said the same thing. So we're going to switch it up. He's the king. I, I like the it. The king ain't in the playoffs. I like you know it. I like it. Saying? I'll take that. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that moniker. I'll take that crown <laughs> gladly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's only because my king ain't in the uh, playoffs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But Gerard, can you mm. believe it? We're already at the conference finals. Yeah. Can you believe it? It's crazy. You know, the NBA season does this to us every year, right? It, like it starts and you're like, oh my God, how are we going to, you know, it seems like the playoffs are so far away. And it's like, and then it's just, everything just steamrolls, right? And it was not too long ago. We had two, three games a night. Now we're, we're down to one game a night. And soon it's going to be a game every other night once we get to the finals or every two nights. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time of the year. We're getting to see great teams with a chance to win that gold trophy at the end, which is, you know, what they play for. Very interesting times that we're living in, Gerard, because let's face it, this is the last season before all the stars come back. So we have new stars emerging and... Things are getting crazy out here in these streets. But before we talk about the conference finals, let's take a little look back at the end of the second round series here because the way it ended with the Clippers and the Jazz. I mean, Jazz, number one team mm. in the West, yeah, got man. bounced by the Clippers with a massive comeback. No Kawhi due to a sprained left knee. And mm. then PG-13 lives up to his playoff P moniker. Talk to me about the end of that series because a lot of people probably lost a lot of money in the betting world when that game seven closed out. Uh, uh, game six, you mean? Yeah, like so. Or game six. Jazz yeah, went I'm up. Seven. Jazz went up. Uh, you know, two zero, right? And it was like, all right, well, it's a wrap. And then the Clippers just said, "Nah, we good." <laughs> like, right? The Clippers, the Clippers just came back and they and they blitzed them one four straight uh, and one without Kawhi and uh, for 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 the last few, look, you know Rudy Gobert is getting sort of a lot of slander on the interwebs, right? And it's like, ah, I thought this guy was Defensive Player of the Year, pa 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 pa, all this and all that. And I think, look, as with everything, Jenna, like it isn't just one thing that causes a team to win or one thing that causes a team to lose, right? It's a multitude of things that cause that, right? Okay. Rudy Gobert, we know, is an excellent rim protector. Um, and the way that the Jazz play, that's how they sort of design their defense, right? Is to funnel everybody towards Rudy and deter them and hopefully maintain and keep everybody locked away um, uh, at the three-point line. The Jazz perimeter defenders were not good in that series, right? So mm -hmm. they so they were getting beat off the dribble, coming to the rim. So Rudy's got to protect them. But then when Ty Lue, who, by the way, shouts to Ty Lue for making incredible playoff adjustments, when he went small, right, it was, okay, Rudy, we need you to not only protect the rim, but then when they kick the ball out, you have to race back out to the three-point line and cover the three-point shooters. Well, you can't do both, right? It's either rim protect or cover on the perimeter, right? Because if he's all the way in the paint and then has to sprint, I mean, he, not, he, not, he ain't that fast. Like, right? He can't, he can't right? You're never going to move faster than the ball moves. So he's not going to be able to do that. And Quinn Snyder, Jazz coach, while, you know, we sing his praises and he's a good coach, he did not make any adjustments. And, yo, the playoffs are about adjustments, man. Like, when something's not working, you got to do something else. And... You know, they're going to have some decisions to make in, in, in Utah. And look, you know, Donovan was hurt, so we'll, we'll, we'll give him that. But, you know. And he still had a good game, though, in game and, six. And he played mm -hmm. well. But look, he was out there. And as we said, Kawhi was not. He was out. And, you know, they, they found a way. So kudos to the Clippers. The Jazz got some soul searching to do. You know, the way that your, your system is built defensively, you need to have better perimeter defenders if – because when a team decides to go small, you're going to get cooked because your guys can't guard, right? Rudy can't cover the paint and also guard on the perimeter. It's too many things to do. So 
you know, while a great year for the Jazz, they're going to be feeling this one for a while because they really believe they had a chance to to at least go to the conference finals, if not the NBA finals. Right, exactly. I mean, I would have bet the Jazz, if anything. And not to mention the Jazz have... When I look at the Jazz and I associate them with the postseason, unfortunately, although they were the number one seed, I associate them with playoff plateaus. That That is what they do best. And it sucks because you have guys like Donovan Mitchell who always kind of falls up short uh, in the postseason lately. So we'll see. Shout outs to Clippers Terrence, uh, man, Terrence who man, had was great. career high 39 points, man. Like, he was awesome. Dang. Terrence Mann was great. Reggie Jackson was great. Like, Mm -hmm. here's the thing about the playoffs, Jenna. And, you know, we always say regular season and playoffs are different, right? Okay. But, you know, what what does that actually mean? Well, here's what that means. You know, when you have a weakness in your game, in the playoffs, it gets exploited, right? The problem is, is that when you are a coach and you're trying to figure out lineup changes and you're trying to do different things to, to game plan and scheme against a team during a series, if you have to put players out on the floor who have glaring weaknesses that are going to get attacked, that forces you as a coach, you have to scout your own team, right? To prepare for, okay, I know I'm putting player X out here and he doesn't do so well covering in space. So even though I need him for his rim protection, his rebounding, I have to be mindful of if the other team goes small, I'm going to get hurt if they catch him in space, right? So you have to think about that. When you have a team like the way Ty Lue did, right? Where he, when he went small, he didn't have to worry about that so much, right? It was like, okay, I might give up a little bit of rebounding, but everybody on the floor right now with this lineup can pass, dribble, shoot, and can at least stay in front of their man, right? That gives you so much more of an advantage when you don't have to worry about the things that your guys cannot do, and now you can attack the other team. And again, you will talk about this when we get to another series. It, 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 this is incumbent on these players that if you're going to be that dude, you can't have any holes in your game, man. Like, you really can't. Amen to that. So we'll see how Dwayne Wade and the Jazz tackle this <laughs> offseason. Because you know what I'm saying. I love, I love how Dwayne Wade is now the, the, the head of the Jazz. He's like a minority owner. He got like probably 2% stake. But it's like, I'm oh, Dwayne Wade. <laughs> and you're sitting on the baseline coaching Donovan Mitchell from your seat. I know. That's, you listen, could do anything you, you, you want. You, you love it. This is this is all part you know of it. You know I love it. Yeah. This you is all part it. of the, the, the Jenna narratives. And I know. Let's do it all with it. <laughs> It did get me. Love you, DM. <laughs> anyway, gosh. All right. Now, let's talk about the conference finals because we got the Clippers and we got the Suns, the Chris mm-hmm. Paul-less Suns. But before we get to CP3, the Suns lead the series one zip and Devin Booker was magnificent in game one of the series. He had a triple-double, 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. His first career triple-double, and to have it in game one of the conference finals is pretty epic. And, you know, there's comparisons floating around the internet who people are saying that he's the next Kobe Bryant and all these things, and people, you know, obviously take issue with that because let book be book is what they say. But... (laughs) Devin Booker is a beast. CP3 is still showing out. We don't know the status on Kawhi Leonard and that right knee mm-hmm, sprain. Mm-hmm. I said left before my B right there. And funny detail, Ty Lue, who's getting a lot of praise in the postseason here. Did you see that report where he was texting Kawhi mm-hmm, and about mm-hmm. the yep. series and Kawhi wanted to FaceTime, which I never thought in my entire being <laughs> Kawhi would ask somebody to FaceTime. Because you don't think of Kawhi <laughs> talking, right? Ever. Well, exactly. So then it's, Ty Lu, who actually comes out and says, I don't FaceTime. <laughs> you're not going to FaceTime him. I mean, dang, Ty Lu, you coached LeBron James, and now you're out here telling stars, you know, how you want to communicate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All jokes to Ty Lu, love him. But let's talk about the series. Yeah. Do you think it is terrible for the Clippers if they were to go down 2-0? I mean, seeing that the comeback they just made against the Jazz? I mean, look, the Clippers clearly, they found something, right? Like, and remember what I said last year? As a team, did they did they galvanize and come together after blowing that 3-1 lead to Denver, right? What did that do for them in the offseason? We always talk about how, and it's the history of the NBA, right, Jenna? But teams have to go through adversity and challenges over the years to then come back fortified and stronger as they go forward, right? We're seeing that with the Milwaukee Bucks in a way, right? A couple years of playoff uh, disappointment 
They fought their way through a grueling seven-game series, which we'll talk about later, and are in the conference finals. Are the Clippers now, right? Same thing with them. First time in the conference finals in their franchise history. So I don't think they're going to be nervous if they go down 0-2, right? I think they're going to be like, look, guys, we, we can do this. We, 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 can, we can get better. But there are things they're going to have to do tactically to get better. And if Kawhi doesn't come back, it's going to be challenging because Phoenix is, look, I've been telling y'all for months, Phoenix is good, right? Like they have all the pieces you need to be a title contending team. And you're seeing it. And by the way, they're doing this without Chris Paul right now, which is telling me that what Monty and Chris have done in terms of the culture and empowering the other players, they feel comfortable campaign stepping up into that role on the conference final stage, right? This ain't a regular season game on Wednesday against Orlando, right? This is the conference finals where he's like, I'm not nervous. I'm cool. And step in and run. Like that, that shows that they've empowered the team. Uh, our coach Thorpe on, on, on True Hoop likes to use the term royal jelly, right? And it's this idea that when you empower those around you and you give them opportunities to do things in meaningful spots, when you need them to perform, it's not going to be, oh, shit, I don't know what to do. I've never been here before. Nah, we're good. And Chris is, and Monty have instilled that confidence in them, right? And so the, the Suns, man, they, listen, they're incredible right now. I think the Clippers are going to have to be a little bit better. The Suns do a lot of weak side ball action cutting and stuff like that. The Clippers cannot fall asleep on that. Like you, when your man gives the ball up, that doesn't mean, all right, cool. Time for me to rest. Like pay attention to what he's doing. Cause if he cuts and you just, again, we talk about this channel all the time. It's margins. If you just fall asleep for half a second, cook, right? That's a light. That's it. That's it. It's, it's, and so you have to be on your P's and Q's for the whole mm-hmm. time on defense. So they would need to be better than that at, at, on, uh, in game two. They have to be mindful. As I said about the backdoor cuts, look, if you're going to play zone, be better about the zone and don't allow the Clipper, the, the Suns to attack the middle like they did in game one. And then look, Devin Booker is who he is, right? Like, I know that like, the, the thing is when you get with superstar channels, as I always say, and that's what Devin Booker is now. He is in, he's getting, approaching superstar status. You are never going to stop a superstar. That's not, that's not a thing. But what you want to do is make them inefficient, right? If he scored 40 points on 20 shots, last game well we want you to score 40 on 35 shots this game right because now it's extra possessions that are empty and we're getting a rebound and we're right that's what you want to do but you don't want them killing you like you did in game one with that efficiency that's the challenge and so the clippers got their work cut out for them uh because this this sun's team can make them pay in ways that the jazz can't so like when they go small and did against rudy and had rudy cover and had rudy to cover the paint and sprint out deandre ayton's a much better much better defender at doing that like in terms of covering in, in a little bit more space and the way that they play their coverages, they can do different things. And again, that roster top to bottom, everybody can contribute and they're not afraid. It, it's, it should be a hell of a series. Love to hear it really quick. Let's talk about Chris Paul because again, we know him and Kawhi are both out for um, game two in Phoenix, but if well, let's say really quick, we don't, the Suns have not come out and CP3 has not come out and confirmed that he tested positive for COVID-19. However, Chris Haynes of mm-hmm. Yahoo Sports mm-hmm. said that he has tested positive for COVID-19 and is asymptomatic. He posted a video on Father's Day with his kids, looks to be in good health, um, in good spirits, which is great. But again, we have no confirmation from the direct source. Nobody's really saying a lot, but CP3 is on FaceTime in the locker room and things like that. Hypothetically speaking, we know he's out for game two. However, if he happens to be out for game three and even game four, what do the Suns need to do different to sort of compensate for his presence on the floor? Not that you could fully do that because he is CP3, the point God. (laughs) But what can Monty and Devin Booker and DeAndre, and what can they do for this offense really specifically with CB3 out, hypothetically speaking. So the Suns just need to keep playing the same way they've been playing, right? Campaign doing his thing right now. The challenge, of course, is that when Campaign gets a rest, because he's normally Chris's backup, right? When Chris sits. Well, now when Campaign sits, you're getting into your third string point guard, which is, you know, most teams don't have a top tier third string point guard, right? That's just how it goes. That further down the depth chart you go, the lesser the player gets, right? That's just the nature of sport. Um, But 
you know, you may have to increase Cam's minutes a little bit. And then late in games, uh, Devin Booker may have to be the person to bring the ball up and play that CP3 role and play point guard like he did at the end of game one, which he can do, right? He's got experience doing that, running the pick and roll and playing their offense. So they're going to have to be mindful of that. I think for the for Phoenix right now, what they're hoping is we have heard reports that Chris is vaccinated. So can he get two to three, I believe it's three consecutive tests to show up negative? Because if he can mm-hmm. do that, then I believe he will be able to come come out of the COVID protocol. So we'll see, you know, where that is and what what that all, what all transpired uh, with that. Yeah. All right. Well, series prediction. Let's hear it. Y- you know, I-, I just love this Suns team, man. I do. I I just think that it's their time. I think Chris will come back at some point, uh, but I do think the Clippers can win some games. So this is not going to be a sweep like they did against Denver. Um, this is a six or seven game series. I, the thing about it is I don't know the Kawhi status. That's the only thing that's making me very hesitant. I'm like, I, if it's an ACL in that same leg where he's, I just, I, I don't know. So I'm going to go Suns and six. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go Suns and seven. Okay. All right. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I think we should have some red wine. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right. I like this. I can't wait to watch this one. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. Let's talk really quick. Let's take a look back. The Bucks, who we know have advanced to the conference finals, but let's chat really quick about that second round series with the Sixers because that has dominated the headlines as of late. And like I said before we taped this, I hope Ben Simmons is on an island with no (laughs) cell service at all. And I don't even want to joke about it because it is that bad. I really hope he's not reading the mounting analysis of his performance in that series because he failed to attempt a shot in the fourth quarter of of five of the seven games. He historically poorly shot from the free throw line, literally, historically, those stats to come later because your girl don't have them in front of her. <laughs> but yeah, it it wasn't good. I mean, and then there was that viral moment when he had a wide open uncontested dunk and decided to pass it to Matisse Thibel. I don't know why, um, because dunking is what Ben Simmons does. But at that point, people are saying the confidence was depleted. And Magic Johnson even came out and said that they lost that game or they lost that series in game five. Even Magic Johnson and a ton of people out there have said, Ben Simmons can't recover from this. It, the the Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons experiment should be done in Philadelphia. And even Doc Rivers came out and said that he didn't know that he could answer if he was a championship level point guard. So, um, yeah. <laughs> And then Joel Embiid comes out and throws his guy under the bus. So in the post game, so that to me right there tells me that there is a legit disconnect. There is, there's something, maybe a little more than frustration at this point, seeing as again, the Sixers are another team that are a playoff plateau team. Talk to me about this series. Is it over in Philadelphia for the uh, Embiid Simmons experience? Well, Jenna, you know, I've always been a proponent on this show that, when you have two all NBA players that are 25 and younger, you can't break that up because those things don't, you don't, you don't get those kinds of guys don't grow on trees, right? That's not how this game works. It's hard to find guys like that, that are that good. Sixers had two of them. However, and the, as with everything, the blame is to go around. It's on original management. It's on Ben it's on coaching. It's on everyone. The fact that he basically has not improved his offensive game since his rookie year is a problem. That is a problem and an indictment. Like, what, what, what is going on? Like, again, nobody's saying that he needs to be some knockdown 40% three-point shooter on 10 attempts a game. He doesn't even shoot, right? Like, and again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, in the playoffs, your glaring weakness is going to get picked on and exposed. So when your teams are playing the Sixers, they're essentially playing five on four because they don't worry about Ben Simmons because he ain't going to do nothing offensively. Guess what? That's a major advantage for the defense. 
if I don't have to worry about one dude, I can focus my attention somewhere else, right? That's mm-hmm. that's not good. And so, you know, look, and as you know, I, I am a fan of Ben Simmons. I think everything else he does in his game is electric. The dude is an all-NBA player without being able to shoot. So, I mean, and right? de- Yeah, defender. And I an all-NBA defender. So he is excellent at basketball. But again, in the postseason, those things matter. And clearly, there's a mental and performance block that's going on with him. Because you mentioned the play where he had the wide-open dunk and he passed to Thibault. The reason why he passed the Thibault was because he was afraid he was going to get fouled and he didn't want to go to the free throw line and miss free throws, right? And the, and the problem is when he's worried about that, that stops him from being aggressive. Because look, we know he's not going to shoot the ball from the perimeter, but he's six foot ten and a massive human. He can go downhill and get to the rim at will. He can get in the post and do jump hooks because it's hard to, he's a big man to, 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 to defend, right? He can he can get the opposing team in foul trouble very easily because he's such a load. But when he's afraid to do those things, well, then what are you doing? And it guess what? You can't, the whole game is in a fast break. So you don't get the opportunity to run up and down the court and do all that, right? You got to play in the half court. And when we're in the half court and I don't have to worry about you, that is a situation. So look, look, and we know this, Jenna, Daryl tried to trade him during the year. Like regardless of what Daryl says, right? We know he was on the table for the Houston Rockets in that to, mm-hmm. to potentially get James Harden. The Rockets mm-hmm. said, nah, we're good, <laughs> right? Yep. So yep. the question now is, and here, here's the other point. Every team knows this summer that Daryl's going to be trying to trade Ben. Ben's value is at the lowest it possibly could be. What in the world are you going to get back in return? Teams are going to be like, yeah, here are all these first round. No, 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 my guy. Uh-uh. It's like, here's the thing. We know you want to get rid of him. So, okay, we may give you somebody good, but you're going to give us him and a bunch of other stuff in return. We'll take him. We'll take Matisse Dybul. We'll take Tyrese Maxey. We'll take this draft pick, that draft pick. Yep. They're going to ask for the moon and stars because because they know you want to move Simmons. They know that. So they're going to be the ones with the leverage and the ones who are going to have the advantage. And I think for Ben, a change of scenery is necessary. I think, you know, just to go somewhere different where a team can get in, get him in there and literally, Jenna, put their arms around him and be like, look, we love you. We think you're a good player. We know you're excellent at these things. I don't care if you go over a million from the free throw line. It doesn't matter. But what matters is you be aggressive. You do these things that make you good, right? You focus on the other stuff and don't make the free throw shooting and the shooting the big deal. No, we want you to do the things, but focus on these other things as well. And I think, you know, the, the right place, and if you get a performance uh, a, a performance coach with him, I, I think those things can happen because he's way too talented to not be able to do that. 100%. It's so hard with Ben Simmons because he does everything else so, so well. And he's young and he's massive. So, again, it's hard when that confidence isn't there. And you said that he's been struggling with the shot since his rookie year. I saw um, a quote that was going around the internet today because of obviously all the Simmons news, but it was by Kobe and it was saying, you know, talking about Ben with his struggling shot. And if he can't get it down, you know, it's pretty much, it's not good. And that was from 2019. And I was thinking to myself, wow, we've actually been talking about this for that long. Talking about it for a long time. And and the thing is, we've seen him shoot before. He's taken jumpers in summer league when he first came as a rookie and at LSU. So I don't know what happened between then and and now. Something happened. And clearly, it's a mental thing, right? There's something there where there's performance anxiety around that particular part of the game. It's wild to me, really. So, yeah, you think that he needs to be moved? Well, yes. Look, you know me. I wouldn't if I were the was the GM of 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 the of the 76ers and I know look Daryl's kind of caught in a tough place because he's like look we have a chance with Embiid here we got to try to maximize this window because again as I said Jenna two all NBA dudes in their mid 20s that you don't break up pairs like that but if the environment in Philly does not allow for him to have success you got to move him but again teams know you want to move him so they're going to take rake you over the coals and try to take everything you have for for the, the for giving up on Simmons. So, it is what it is. 
Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It also depends if you're going to move that massive contract. He just finished the first year of his five-year, $177 million contract. Well, that's the thing, right? And so there's only a a few teams who can do it because you're going to have to take back salary that works, right? Like, and how many, how many teams have guys are willing to move that make that kind of money? That's, that's the other piece of it, right? Everyone's talking Portland as a place. I mean, Portland could work, right? But, and if you move CJ again, okay, because think, you think about it actually in Portland, what's their biggest problem? They don't guard anybody, right? Well, you pair Dame with Ben Simmons and that pick and roll, that is money, right? Ben, you just keep going downhill. You guard the hell out of everybody. Don't worry. Dame's got the offense thing. We got guys, we got um, Norm Powell. We got guys who can shoot and score. That, that could be something that works. But again, if I'm Portland, I'm not just taking Ben Simmons for CJ. I want Dybul. I want Maxi. I want, right? Oh, no, no, no. You're giving me lots of other stuff too. And if you're Philly, do you want to do that? No. Um, well, last question about Simmons, because this was intriguing, an intriguing thought. Is he a point guard? Should he be a point guard? So positions are kind of funny, right? Because we don't really have positions in basketball. Yes. No. We have labels on there. So like the casual fan goes, oh, what's this person do? He's like, But it's who's a lead ball handler and an initiator and a creator, right? He's a lead ball handler. Yes. He really ain't a initiator and creator of offense. Now, in the half court and in the in the in the open court on fast breaks, yes, he can do that. Half court, not great, really. Like, because we see when you know, we'll just sag off because he's not going to shoot the jumper, right? So th- th- there are things that like he doesn't do well. So in that way, it's kind of Giannis like, right? Should you be a finisher instead? You just catch lobs and roll to the rim and dunk, right? Because you're so big and so strong and so athletic. Um, I-, I think, you know, again, can you have him in that role instead of as, as a as a finisher? And then he's sometimes ball handler, like, but not make the ball handling and creation in the half court his primary skill set. In the, in the open court on a fast break? Hell yeah. No problem. Oh, poor Benny. Poor Benny. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's rough out here, you know, like. Yo, you think, you, you think, you think Book and Kendall be like laughing about, about him? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I don't know. Who knows what they talk about? The plane ride from Phoenix to L.A. is pretty short. Yeah, it's, it's so, <laughs> I mean, she's got it made. This series, she's going to be at both. She's going to be at all games. Literally, that shit's quick. On top of the PJ, you know. She's out. Damn it. Yo, she, she traded up. She was like, yeah, you don't shoot, my dude. I'm going to go ahead with this book, kid. <laughs> I'm surprised more people aren't all over that, man, because, like, this is hysterical to it's, me. It's like, so wild. Like, it is. Uh, it, just, just because of, like, the contrast and, like, their game. Games, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I just, I can't. It's, it's too, too much. You know, you know. I'm a predict right now that we're gonna see Simmons back with like Tanache, his ex that he dumped for Kendall, because you know she's, she's there on his level right now. Damn. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love you, Tanache. No, I'm just saying, like Kendall, Kendall. Like, when he left her for Kendall. It was like, oh. Oh, you don't want to be left for a Kardashian. You just don't. Just I see. Don't. But you're saying Book Book and Kendall are on that same level right now is what you're saying. Or or, 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 has, or has Book ascended past Kendall now with the way he's playing? Well, here's my thing. I think in his mind, he was like, all right, I'm dating Kendall. I can't fucking choke out here, man, because they're going to come after me <laughs> 10 times hard. Not <laughs> sports fans, the Kardashians, <laughs> the entertainment fans, people, magazines writing about me now. Like, I got to show the hell out. CP3, are you going to coach me? Yeah. <laughs> so this is how I think it all, in my head, the soap head, that's opera, how it goes. I get it. In the NBA, that's how I see it. That's wild. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, let's talk about these Bucks because they were able to fight off the depleted Nets. Mm-hmm. Some would argue that mm-hmm. they really would have gotten smoked if everyone was healthy. You never know. But Giannis and the Bucks came out. They are going to the Western Conference Finals. Let's talk about these Nets really quick. They survived. But do you think that Giannis was exposed in, the, in that series, I mean, we see the limitations in Giannis's game, right? But again, it's like I talked about at the top of the show with when you know your player has specific weaknesses and limitations, you must scheme around that, right? We, I've said it forever, like Giannis as this wing initiator, wing creator, that's not really his game. 
because we shooting because he doesn't shoot right let him finish and do all when he's in the paint you saw when he played when he played against the, in the nets in that last series when he was like forget it i'm just going to the rim nets had no answer right like because that's your game my guy paint attack because nobody can stop you down there jumpers that's a win for the defense because you're going to miss way more of those than you make so we'll take that all day right so he has got to be like now nah, forget this i'm attacking i'm going to the paint look it, it was a milestone for the bucks in the sense that they've underachieved in the postseason the last couple of years right have been the best regular season team and flamed out in you know the first or second round they get to the, back to the conference finals they beat a nets team albeit you know a depleted Nets team, right? With Kevin Durant and James Harden on one leg, right? Uh, and because Kyrie Irving missed the second half of that series. Uh, it, it it just goes without saying that this Nets team, you know, if, if you win a title this year, I feel like you should feel like, okay, we got one. Because again, a healthy Nets team next year, how do you beat this team, right? Because we they damn near beat almost beat the Bucks without <laughs> their dudes being healthy, right? So... You know, you you expect it to be to be a, a better showing by them, and you know, for our first year with this, with these guys all together battling all the injuries they did, they did pretty damn well considering. Right again, they were literally a Kevin Durant shoe away from going to the conference finals. That's we we always say margins are thin, right? And part of the reason you know that happened is because you know Durant was exhausted and played a ton of minutes. I mean, Kevin Durant knows every dimension of the court and knows where he is at all times, right? That's a, that's a fatigue error. Like, I'm mentally tired. I'm physically tired, so I'm mentally tired. And you just, you, you forget to bring the foot back just a little bit behind the line. Him and them <laughs> big-ass feet. Is it like a size 15 on the line there? <laughs> I think it's like a 17 or 18. It's crazy. Oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Dang. No, for real, you're right. It definitely was. I mean, he played so well and so hard off that Achilles. I mean, he had to have been gassed. And then Harding came out after the series and said that he was playing on an actual grade, grade two, two strain. Yep. So, I mean, Hey, and he played really well, like when he was out there. So he, I mean, he did his best to kill with one leg. Right. I mean, you could see it. He couldn't get to the rim. He could, I mean, it was just like, yeah. he was just late, but you know, they, they fought because these guys want to compete and win championships. And there's something admirable, admirable about that. But you know, in terms of long-term health, not, not the greatest thing. No, no. Let's talk about two teams that are healthy now, the Eastern Conference Finals, the Hawks and Bucks. This this is like a Miami Heat story <laughs> in the bubble. No one thought the Hawks were going to be no there. One did. Um the major underdog story of it all, which is such a great narrative, you know, I think as well. <laughs> and I've always been a Trey Young fan. Yeah. Let's talk about how the Hawks can handle the Bucks. How can they stop the Bucks? You can't stop Giannis most right. of the time, but how can they slow them down or stop them and really take this series? Can they bait Giannis like the Nets did into taking open jumpers, right? Like you I mean you saw Giannis in game seven. I think he was either yelling at someone on the Nets bench or yelling to the crowd when he said, To leave me open, I'm gonna take these shots. And they're like, okay. So can you because at some level, there becomes a, a pride thing, right? Where, like, Giannis is feeling like, oh, these guys don't respect my shot. I'm going to show them. And it's like, okay, but, dude, that's not really the strength of your game, though. The strength of your game is punishing them inside. So can you bait him into doing that? Can you get – can Atlanta get Milwaukee to do the things that they did against Brooklyn, which is, nah, no beautiful ball movement. Just try to ISO everybody. Yeah, because yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll predict that. Isolation basketball, even though we have – some of the great isolation players in the world, like Kevin Durant, people like that. That is the worst form of offensive basketball because as a defense, you know what's coming, right? If I have to... Now, look, stopping these great NBA players, as I say, is that's hard. But if I know that's all I have to worry about, they're just going to play one-on-one, that makes my job easier. I don't have to worry about screens or back cuts or picks or any other kind of thing. It's just the person in front of me, I just got to stay in front of them. That makes your job easier. Ball movement cutting, that makes your job way hard because you're thinking about a million things. Can you get the Bucks to do simple offense one-on-one and not do the zippy ball passing all over the floor? On the Hawks side, I think this is a series they're going to really miss DeAndre Hunter because he's such a good defender and another creator for them. You could stick him on Middleton because Middleton is a barometer for this team. If he's hitting shots from the perimeter and he's doing his thing, they're going to be really hard to stop. But if you can, 
if, if they had someone to really slow Middleton down, they'd be in great shape. But I just, you know, with Trey Young and Herter, who, you know, I love Kevin Herter, um, Gallo and, and Bogdanovich is hurt. He's got a knee, you know, they... Cam Reddish is out, Cam, too. Cam Reddish has been out all season, right? So, like, they, yep. they're, they're going to be short some bodies in this series. I, I really do. But you know what? I think Trey Young and his brilliance and his moxie and this collective fight they have of, like, you know, they're playing, we're playing with house money, so we're going to play loose and free. I think they're gonna. It's gonna be enough for them to steal a game or two. To watch Trey Young, I mean, to to see it in the series with the Knicks, okay, but like to still watch him on this level sh- shoot the way he's shooting mm-hmm. is out of control. the The confidence, the the ease, and he's a smaller guy, and mm-hmm. so is Steph Curry too. Mm-hmm. So. But, I mean, to to see him hitting these shots from, like, half court is actually insane. The upper body strength, especially when you're coming off the dribble mm-hmm. on oh, that, incredible. is insane to me. It's incredible. He's, I mean, he he, re- he reads the game so well. He's so good out of that pick and roll. Like, And, look, the Bucks love to play that drop coverage. So, hey, you want to play the drop coverage? Trey might kill you with them floaters and foul line jumpers all game if you're going to give that up. So, you know, as I say... I think there's some sort of tactical matchups that favor the Bucks, and what's all their size is going to really, you know, hurt Atlanta, I think, at times. But look, this team is young. They're fearless. They may come out in the game and just hit 23s, and then eh, Bucks are going home that game, right? Like, they're going to lose that one. So I, I I just love what I'm seeing out of out of Atlanta. And, you know, in terms of a, 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 of, a, of the Bucks, that, that the question is if they play free and move the ball and do their thing, It'll be really tough to beat them because it's again that's stressing the defense, right? You're really making them come apart and not be tethered. So it'll be interesting. All right, game one Wednesday, eight thirty in Milwaukee. Season prediction, Gerard? Yeah, I I just think the Bucks have too much, um, and I think again that win against the Nets was big for them and their psyche. Um, even though the Nets were hobbled, I I think Bucks. But look, the, the Hawks are going to win a game or two, as I said. So I want to go Bucks in six. I'm going Bucks and seven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm saying both of these series go seven. Well, look, the NBA will love more seven-game series. <laughs> oh, you know what's up. I mean, <laughs> it's about that money, honey. You know what's up. <laughs> All right. Let's talk exciting things because mm-hmm. dreams are going to come true very, very soon. Mm-hmm. The NBA draft lottery is tonight, June 22nd, the night we're rec- recording this. And how exciting is this? Again, still in COVID times, not fully back to normal yet, but it's exciting. There are so many new developments within the NBA and talk to me about this draft lottery a little bit. The draft lottery is big, right? So we know the Oklahoma city thunder have 75 million picks um, (laughs) in this draft, right? So they're going to get two potential top five picks, right? They're going to get everybody. Um, So, you know, and the Houston Rockets uh, uh, also have uh, quite a number of picks. And then we have to also look at the pick swap, right? So if Minnesota gets, a top three pick, they'll keep it. If their pick falls out of the top three, that goes to Golden State. And Golden State will then have that pick, number four, let's say it's four, and then their pick, which would be somewhere around, I want to say, 14 or something like that. But so any pick that Minnesota gets that's not in the top three, that will convey to Golden State. So it's big. In this draft, as we know, there are a lot of guys at the top that people like. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga, right? Those are the names that everybody's talking about at the top of the draft that will be interesting. The other thing too is that drafts are where teams really show how smart they are, right? Like, yes, those are the five names everybody knows, but there's talent all over the world that play basketball. Like, who's going to get that guy from the Euro League that nobody's thinking about that, ooh, he's going to come over next year and be an impact starter? Like, you know, who's that Who's that person that played four years of college that, ah, nobody cares, blah, 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 four years of college, you're not that good, a la Cam Johnson, who is starring right now for the Phoenix Suns, right? Like, who's going to find those guys? Um, so that's going to really test how good your scouting and your, and your front office is. And then, of course, trades, right? If the Warriors end up getting that pick conveyed and it's top three, do they package that top three pick with James Wiseman to get an established star to be on the same timeline as Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson when he, when he comes back? Who knows? Or do they move... Oh, I just got the chills. Yeah. Or do they move Andrew Wiggins and that pick for somebody who knows right so there's a whole lot of things that can happen but draft lottery time is always exciting i'll be curious to see how this all shakes out 
Yeah, love it. 14 teams in that draft lottery tonight. And then the uh, draft will be on July 29th. Mm -hmm. And that is so exciting. Real quick, because I did see something that made me do a double take. Uh, Jalen Green, you mentioned him before, mm -hmm. obviously one of the top picks or projected mm -hmm. picks, I should say, in the NBA or the upcoming NBA draft. One NBA executive said that he has the potential, once he gets settled, to be a 10-time All-Star and a 25-point-per-game scorer. Ooh, that is high praise. Look, the, the talent exists. You know, Jenna, what's so funny about all this stuff? For the majority of people who get drafted, their situation will determine how good they are. And let's be honest. You're right. Most of these teams are shitty at player development. and They're just not good at it, right? Like they just, they just aren't. They're, I mean, you can count on your hand the franchises that are actually good at development and like grooming and like Oklahoma City, uh, Miami, San Antonio, right? Mm -hmm. It's like three teams. Everybody else, meh, kind of suspect. So the situation you get drafted to is so important, unless, of course, you are those generational talents like LeBron, James, Kevin Durant, where it doesn't matter where those guys got drafted. They were going to be super duper stars no matter what. But right. not everybody's like that. Most people, it's, <clears throat> is this the right situation to get the most out of this talent? And we'll see. We shall see. Couldn't agree more. A lot of people don't talk about that, too, because look what happened to guys like Markel Fultz, Absolutely. number one pick to Philadelphia. Uh, Lonzo Ball, people could argue, mm -hmm. number one pick. Mm -hmm. So, hey, they were both slow to develop. So we'll see. And, you know, they were projected to do insane things as well. So, again, everybody's different situations yes of course and i think you said Cade cunningham mm -hmm, too mm -hmm. he um can play literally almost the one through five so oh, he's excellent six eight he'll he is, land he, he's, he's that six eight wing right like that you i mean that you need that that's the size like you know if you're six eight you could pass dribble shoot defend, i mean that's 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 what you want right like you 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 want that like you want somebody who is you know I, i've seen descriptions about him that he's a supersized shea Gilgis alexander which is incredible because SGA is great he's a shorter Ben Simmons with a jumper like I mean d d if if, I, if you could get somebody like that that's always when we go back to Simmons we talk about imagine <laughs> imagine if Ben had a jumper again at that size right like and all the things he could do athletically it's like then you're the best player in the league right like I mean this At is... one point, we were talking this season about how, or people were talking this season about how Ben Simmons could have been in the MVP running at one point. Sure. Like, sure. It's so frustrating, Ben. Damn it. Well, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. <laughs> He's young. He's young. And again, oh, as I said, God. right situation. That's what I said. Now look at me. So, so it's a, so it's a time for him to get into a new situation, right? Where hopefully they get that new situation can bring the best out of him. But again, as I said. Most teams, real shitty at that kind of thing. Very true. Very true. Let's move on here because we got to talk about another thing that has Gerard a little bit confused, potentially <laughs> scratching his head. Let's talk about this summer's Tokyo Olympics postponed from the 2020 Games uh, starting July 6th. Now, um, well, training camp will start July 6th uh, in Vegas with Coach Pop. We have a ton of high-profile stars that have committed to Team USA, who has won gold the last three years. It's interesting that this many stars have committed already because of the bubble season turnaround time, as well as the injuries that are stacking up now and the shorter turnaround time until the NBA really gets on track next season in the fall. So we have guys committed veterans right now, like Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday, who's still in the postseason going to the conference finals with the Bucks. Devin Booker, same situation there with the Suns. Chris Middleton. James Harden. Um, yes, Chris Middleton as well with the Bucks. James Harden, who is still dealing with that grade two hamstring strain. Bradley Beal, who had a hamstring, um, a hamstring injury when before the Wizards were bounced out early on in the playoffs. I mean, Jason Tatum, who was having trouble breathing, and he's also on the dysfunction of the Celtics, who are still looking for a head coach and have a new head of basketball of operations in Brad Stevens. The list goes on. Kevin Durant had off a stellar season, off that Achilles. The list, again, goes on. Kevin Love, I mean, he was asked... I, he was asked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Kevin, but come on. <laughs> Draymond Green, no argument there. All right. And Bam Adebayo. I mean, out of this entire list, 
I think two guys there aren't in a predicament of still playing or injured. I mean, we have guys who've declined, like Donovan Mitchell, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, Anthony smart. Davis. But smart. Yeah, exactly. Smart. Especially for, again, players like LeBron James, who, although he is the, arguably the greatest player ever <laughs> in this season. Don't get me on that, Michael Jordan slander. Um, uh, he's dealing with that bum ankle. So talk to me about this roster, though. This is very surprising to me. I mean, this is you're potentially playing with fire here. Again, all due respect to Team USA, but man, a little bit of confusion around this roster. I, I hate it, Jenna. To be straight up, like I think it's stupid. Like I love your candor. Well, let's start with Durant. Like, bro, you've already won two Olympic gold medals. Like, what are you doing? And you're coming off. An Achilles injury you had two years ago. Yes, you played extent, You played extremely well this season. You are back to KD, arguably the best player in the world. My dude, you just got off a grueling seven-game series where you averaged 40-plus minutes a game. I was just going to say, he just played 50 in that last right. game, didn't he, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, oh, 52. He played all the full game and overtime. And now you want to go play Olympic ball starting July 6th? And if you, they, win the, they win the gold medal, you're going all the way through August. Okay. This training camp starts in September. You're going to have, what, two weeks off? Like, I get it, Kevin. You're a hooper. You love basketball. You're a real I get it. I get all that. But my dude, the science of performance says you need rest. It, and you would know. I mean, you talk to so many medical professionals in the sports space about this. It's just a fact. So coming into next season, we don't want situations where you got, oh, here we go. The hamstring's acting up again. Oh, his calf is acting up again. Like, yeah. And that's going to be because... Of all that basketball you played all summer. It's like, bro, you got to just chill out. I know for a fact the Nets don't want him to play. For a fact, they don't want him I to. I was just going to ask you. They I don't. wonder what the rumblings are and who, you know what I mean? Just because if I'm on the Nets, no matter if I'm a player, um, whether I'm Kyrie Irving, whether I'm James Harden, or I'm Steve Nash or part of the coaching staff, I'd be like, man, okay, you know what? Let's bite this one. You know, we... We had our big three who didn't play a lot together this season. We had injuries. So many things stacked against us. However, next year, when we try to make a full championship run healthy in the East against now, let's remember that we're going to have a healthy Lakers team. We're going to have a healthy Warriors team. And they're they're not anybody to mess with when they're healthy. I think a lot of people are forgetting that. No doubt. And then you got this healthy Clippers team. And, of course, the Suns. Mm -hmm. I mean, what – I hate to say this, but – what are you thinking, KD? And uh, he's a smart man. He's a very smart man. I, you know, look, part of it is we know he's a hooper. He wants to hoop. The Nets can't tell him yeah. no. So it doesn't, I mean, whether they want him not to, they can't say no to him. And I think that's, that's a collectively bargained thing too, like in the, in the CBA, because in the summertime, you're technically, you're not getting paid by the team in the summertime, right? Once your season ends is when you get your last check. So he's not employed by them technically in the summer. So he can do what he wants mm -hmm. with the exception of like skydiving and crazy stuff like that. But right, like- <laughs> That he can do whatever he wants, basically. And you know Kevin's a hooper. He's going to hoop. But again, this is, we're talking about your career and being able to continue to play at this high level in games that matter. I know representing your country is a big deal, but you've done it multiple times already. You already got two Olympic goals. You got a world championship goal. Like, I mean, what new experience are you going to have? Like, like, you've already done this. Like, this isn't new, something new for you. Um, Harden, you are on a grade two hamstring right now. And if training camp starts July 6th, like, what? What? Like, none of this makes sense to me. None whatsoever. Honestly, the Olympic team really should be uh, our 25 and under guys. And if you, I think the, the limit should be if you made it past the first round, no. But if you got, if you were first round or you didn't make the playoffs, fine. But anybody mm -hmm. first round, anybody past the first round, I just don't think it's worth it, man. I know these teams don't want that. Look, everybody's like, all right, we're going back to normal next year. 82 games in a normal season is still a lot, right? That is still a lot of games. So, Not to mention, these guys aren't going to be fully, fully back in the swing of things, not the next season, but the next season. So it's because just, it's, it's just, just how it's working. It's it's crazy, man. Like, I, I, I don't like it at all. Again, particularly if you are someone who's already been on an Olympic team multiple times. The other thing is, and it's, it's worth noting, Jenna, depending on who you are, you may have other considerations as to why you are going to the Olympics. Um, we know the teams obviously play a lot of these guys at the max guys, big money, but a lot of these guys are also employed by Nike, Adidas and all these shoe companies. And 
These shoe companies pay them a lot of money for someone like Kevin Durant and James Harden. A hell of a lot of money. If your shoe company is like, look, we're doing a campaign around you in the Olympics. We need you to be in Tokyo. You kind of got to go, right? You can't say no. I mean, you guess you could say no. You got to give the money back, right? Like, so, I mean, so let's Or it could be in their contract. Right. Let's not overlook the fact that they may have sponsorship uh, duties. And because we know that Nike and Adidas, they have for their athletes, they do often do Asian tours every summer. And mm-hmm. it may be a situation where they're like, look, we, we need you to be over there for this because the Tokyo market's important to us, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you got to go. Again, That I'm speculating on that part, but I do know that for the Nets guys in particular, I know the performance staff does not want those two guys playing Olympic basketball. That I do know. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Oh, we shall see, man. I mean... Again, these these injuries they just make me weary. They yeah. make me nervous. Yeah, especially but... if you're yeah if you're coming off. And remember, Durant had the the hamstring issue this season, right? The Achilles was fine, but he also had to load manage him with the Achilles. Give him they didn't play a lot of back to backs. Like, look, you, there's just no point in overstressing this muscle, right? And I get it. The athlete knows his body better. They want to hoop their rhythm players, all that, but. We have to start making it known to these players and educating them about the importance of the science of performance, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think they. Who knows? I'm I'm praying. I'm, I'm oh. wishing good health. Oh yeah, I want to be clear. I'm not rooting for injuries. Like that's oh, I, no, I, no, I don't no. I don't want that right. But I do know no, over overuse overuse is one of the leading causes of injuries. That what I do mm-hmm. know. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Speaking of facts, let them know the facts where they can find us. <laughs> As always, you guys know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We're on Twitter at 7 Footers Pod, on Instagram at 7 Footers Podcast, at JS Hector, at Gentleman Selly, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Tryna have a plan that we may come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't wanna trap, what's a man gon' do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Ride around 10, came dressed in the nines you